0: Welcome back to the Crown Refs podcast for episode 111. Hope you're doing tremendous on this beautiful Saturday morning, October 10th, 2020. Um, you know, back in February 2020, seems like a long time ago, but we launched a film review service called the Crown Refs IPR Individual Performance Report, and um, just really super proud the way it's continued to evolve and the value that we've been able to provide the officials um, in this in this report has been tremendous. So I just want to take a moment and highlight all of the officials that have taken advantage of the crown refs ipr ron wilcox jr travis potter jack o'brien scott hamby ryan wetchy jason hayes brian hansen lance fuller brady stiff pedro rodriguez jr randy eifert roland rodriguez kevin baker tyler and denise mccabe josh boltby suzanne Tirano, philip jansen john lamatina matt gonzalez Jordan Kleinjen, Marshall Peony, Delvecchio Rudd, Kyle Bohick, Dylan Berner, Zach Murphy, Aaron Arnold, and Emily Glutch. So, really uh, super grateful for those people. And very humbled to, to have worked with uh, 27 officials from around the country and looking forward to continue to grow this service. So if you uh, are interested in an IPR, you can reach out directly at crownrefs at gmail.com or DM for more information. Hope you enjoy this episode. This is Game Notes 9 featuring Aaron Arnold. Have a great day.
1: just a compliment to how, how awesome the layout is of the IPR, Paul, it's really easy to uh, digest and remember. And um, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a, 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 uh, strenuous read. I mean, it was uh, easy to digest and um, very, uh, it felt like a very worthwhile investment.
2: That's great. That's important to me too, because I wanted to make it, I wanted to make it pop. Like as soon as you open that email that says your name, IPR, I want you to be like, wow, this is what I, uh, this is what I hoped it would be or even better. You know, like I said, I kind of wanted to flip the model of feedback that we're used to getting in our industry, which is not much. I wanted to go the other way with it and provide the most. So I'm glad you were able to pick that up. Um, it, it's really nice when you can come out of the gates the, the way you did. I thought your first, we always want to have a, a strong first whistle, right? We don't want to come out guessing. They always say make, you know, make, make it a great first whistle, of the game that sets the tone throughout. And for you, or at least as I was observing you, it gave me a really good sense of who you were as an official just by this one call. I thought you showed a lot of poise. I loved your timing. I love the the sequence of signals and I want to talk about that in a second. Just really like your demeanor there. I like how how slow you went, how poised you are. Um, Each each signal transitioned really well into the others and you know what I mean by sequence of signals is this is a little bit harder of a whistle um, than just than just having to do one step, right? When we call a regular foul, it's stop the clock. And then we go report. Here, we have to do three signals. Back to back to back. Stop the clock, block, score. So so I know I used to struggle with with this. So I used to rush like my block and then force my N1. It was not smooth. So I think the way you did it was textbook. And uh, I'm just really impressed with it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
2: What did you think of this play?
1: Yeah, so watching it back, um, I, I felt like the defender uh, slid really late in that play in, into an airborne shooter. So while she may have been, um, may have been legal there for, for a split second, you had an airborne shooter that she slid under. So that, uh, that justified the block call watching it a second time. Uh, but yeah, I would have. I would have. We talked about mechanics and signals. I would have liked to see a little more pop in my signals on that play. To be honest with you.
2: So just to clarify, the reason why you had a legal contact was because we had an airborne player, offensive player, had left their feet, and you have a defender who was prior, who was legal, became illegal when she slid to the left, and initiated the contact. Remember, uh, to maintain legal guarding position, you can move backwards. You could stay straight up, but you can't move forwards or to the left or right when the shooter is in the air. Just to clarify. Correct. I really like this play because in transition lead here, you know, we're parallel to the play. Mechanically, we're not really connected, right, with that play opposite block, especially when you're running parallel to it. So I'm just happy that you didn't guess on here. And a lot of times we're gonna we're gonna let the center. Ref that play, if it's especially if it's outside like that, um, and I just thought you had really good hustle to kind of get in position at that last second to give yourself the best positioning to kind of see um, in between the players. You probably had not a hundred percent clear view, but you refed it enough to know you're not going to blow the whistle there.
1: Correct. Yeah, I put down. Um, you know, I, we have to recognize wh- where our C is at, what our C can see on that play. But uh, in my case, there lead. I had nothing else to officiate, so I think get get in that situation. Getting a good look at the play uh, and identifying what you have um, aside from what the C can and can't see will help the crew in that play.
2: And, and what you said, um, how you were uh, you were processing what the center was seeing. That's that's next level game awareness. When not only do you know what your primary is and who you have in your primary but to take it up a notch and understand what your partners are seeing as well, understanding that your partner may be at a position here. So you may have to, you know, come with a secondary cadence whistle, understanding that your partner may be stacked with two players in front of him or her, just, just having that knowledge. And it's not an easy skill to develop because it's, it's a big picture view of the whole game. And we're asking you to understand what your other two partners are seeing as well not all the time, but just having that kind of instinct and that situational awareness there. So I, I like that you said that. That's a great point.
1: Thank you. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know if any of our plays on the IPR, um, we have any three-point um, mechanics on there, but I know in our in the report, you talked about just some signals that'll take your believability higher and the three-point signal. You, you said you prefer the... Um, the field goal football mechanic, uh, you know, I see some officials with that kind of opened up maybe with their forearms kind of facing forward. But, um, just to clarify you, you like that mechanic, where our, uh, our forearms are facing each other Absolutely. more so like a football official. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, better do.
2: I mean, just like, uh, you were signaling an extra point. I mean, I, I don't think it should be straight up like this. I don't think it should be wide. We should kind of find that diagonal angle. And then, you know, the hands are straight. Let me see yours. Yeah, I mean, that's solid. For sure. You know, it's funny. I was, um, I think I watched the wrong game at first. So I did an IPR for somebody else in the whole first half. And then I realized it wasn't you. Um, And I think that was one of, I think that was one of their signals. So I might have mixed it up because I, I thought they signaled here. And then on the make. I saw them do that, so that's kind of why I opened up the thread of the um, three-point signal. But, yeah, yours yours looks good to go. Mechanically similar to the first play, you have another block N1 here, and, and your timing, cadence of the whistle, sequence of your signals, just smooth. Well, there was no block there. It was just an N1, but, again, nice poise. I'd like to see your hit your opposite arm kind of pop out a little bit more and maybe bring it up a little bit just to nitpick. I mean, the hit looks cool. I'm just always trying to enhance everything. Like I'm trying to look at you at, at a 10 and make you a 20. So, um, just play around with it. And, and, and for the hits, we can always use both arms. So it's good to be ambidextrous too. Also, I know in the book, it'll show this, right? Uh, I like to use that low hit on strip downs or, those swipe downs if the player was hit low versus up here if he's finishing at the rim I'm not going to do a low hit you know then I'll just do it normal but if you know if I'm trying to rip through here and you get me here then I like to go to the table and just drop it a little bit lower just mimics and narrates exactly what happened a little bit better
1: that makes sense I like that
2: 553 positioning. What do I have here? So I wrote, I think we need to show a little bit more effort and urgency once the ball skips across the basket line. Remember, the basket line is the imaginary line from basket to basket. It cuts the court in half. Um, You're a little slow to position adjust uh, to the opposite block. um, And we're a little bit vulnerable in the lead position when the ball's opposite and we're not like engaged and closed down. Um so i I just thought I just put to keep that in mind as the play develops, swing opposite blocks, you see right here, I know you're walking there, but i feel like you sh- you kind of should have been there already
1: yeah and i I know as you watch this film, you recognize that for the white for the white team forty four and two were getting most of their shot attempts, so I think I could have done a better job recognizing that on this play, two is high post opposite. See right so, uh, here. she was doing most of her work over there. Yeah, I should I should have been more aware of that on this play.
2: I mean, listen, as the ball crosses the basket line, that's your trigger mentally to start moving with it. Almost follow the ball. I know, I know they tell you not to follow the ball or ball watch. This is a different, different point here. But as soon as it crosses, that's your trigger to move. And even there, it crosses again. And I still still don't see in the picture. So we want to be right where 44 is on the on the end line. This way we can ref any, any kind of angles that may happen over here. Again, Absolutely. no play happened. But if you had closed down to the B, you probably would have been a little bit quicker to get over, to rotate over um, in the post matchup there. And again, you didn't get burned by it, but we're just trying to build good habits that we can copy and paste and make you know guidelines for you moving forward.
1: Yeah, I caught a break. She came back to her left hand. So I got to see the play, but I I was really late. Like you said, it's unfortunate, Paul, but the the school, uh, the home team there, the team in white, they actually, uh, due to financial burdens, they actually closed their doors uh, back in the spring. So uh, that school actually is no longer, no longer in the conference I work in.
2: Damn, where's 44 going? She needs a home. She's nice.
1: Right. She transferred from D1. She came from Florida A&M, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know where her next stop will be.
2: Yeah, this was a really good um, college basketball game, Division II women's college basketball game. Definitely high level. Way better than what I've seen in New York.
1: Typically, this league will get anywhere from like two to four teams in the Division II national tournament so It's okay. a well-respected league. I'm lucky to work in it.
2: All right, so just to take me through this play. Tough to tell on film. I mean, I definitely see where the defender put her arm bar temporarily on the offensive player. Why did you have illegal contact there?
1: Yeah, I put down and watching that. I mean, there just wasn't really much contact when I blew the whistle to justify it at that point. Um, It it seems, you know, in in those arm bar handshake plays, it seems to be a call, at least on the women's side, that we don't get much pushback on when we call it. Uh, It's always a point of emphasis. Uh, and if we don't call it, we hear from coordinators quite often. So, um, I guess, um, depending upon um, officials you work with and what you're talking about pregame, maybe you get a little overzealous to call those at times, yeah. at least in my game. So, uh, that that's one where I would have liked to maybe held the whistle another half a second, and then if she doesn't drop uh, the arm bar, maybe come out with a whistle then. But, uh, you know, in looking at it, it's the first foul to quarter – in women's, our fouls reset at the end of each quarter. So uh, it wasn't a situation where I needed to tighten the foul count out, uh, the, the, tighten the foul count up, which sometimes those hand checks on our bars can help you with that. So it was just, it was just not justified uh, as early as I blew it on that play, in my estimation now, looking at it.
2: I like your feedback on that. I know what it's like to come out, and we talk about it in the pregame. You hear this, just come out and get that early hand check right? We, we're Our job is to allow the freedom of movement. And when it gets disrupted, then we have a whistle and we want to make sure we don't miss those. But a lot, you know, sometimes we do come out of the gates with these preconceived notions and then go call a cheapie on something that we talked about. It happened very quickly. Didn't really matter at that moment. You know, like I think for this play here, like I said, I, I saw the immediate, that arm bar, but Almost looked like she had it on her body. She was kind of backtracking, um, maybe bracing for impact. And if you notice, as soon as there's contact, she goes like this. Um, now, that is an indicator sometimes that players are guilty of, cr- of committing illegal contact. Um, that's one of the guidelines I use when you see players, like, throw their hands off. But it, it didn't look like she did that in this case. It was more or less here. And then she put her arms back. Again, it, it, it was so quick that I think if you, if you let it go, nobody would say anything. Now, if somebody's going to take a screenshot and they'll show you the arm bar on the body, then, then you can call that a foul in a still image, right? Like in the picture, it might be a foul. But in reality, in gameplay, when it's live, when the players are moving, it winds up just being nothing. Right. But again, not really going to get hurt on on one one four freedom of movement fouls, especially early in the game, as you're trying to set the tone. Although I don't feel like us as officials set the tone; I think the players set the tone, and we're we respond to what they're doing. What they're doing.
1: Right, I agree. Another thing you've talked about, and I, and I like it. I've actually been paying attention to it more so on film. I've been watching, but um, ha, how we hold the basketballs, officials. I noticed my partner on the baseline there did a really good job of holding the ball in front of him. Like you, you referenced, like a waiter yeah. bringing your entree to you. Uh-huh. I think it looks, it looks so much better than when you watch film and partners aren't doing that. So it's something I've been purposefully, through Crown Reps paying more attention to, and I'm going uh, yeah. to try incorporate, to incorporate it more regularly into my game.
2: I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've said that a lot, and holding the ball like a waiter is not going to make you a better play caller not going to make you a better communicator under pressure right it's a very little thing but it ties into the overall optics of the game which ties into believability which ties into um court presence and and people actually respecting you you know what i'm saying it's just a little piece to the puzzle there's a lot of little pieces so we're just trying to find all those little pieces those good habits and then put them all together so um yeah, I'm glad that you said that. And as you said, it just looks so much more professional and, and, and clean.
1: Absolutely. Even on foul shots, I think it I think it it just looks more crisper to me and watching watching game film. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, you have another block here from Lee. Let's take a look. I think I know why you called this a block. Why don't you explain it?
1: Uh so on the play, I remember um checking feet, making sure the defender was outside the restricted area. Um, I remember feeling like the play came at me really quick, like, like I didn't have enough space to have a great look at this play. Uh, so maybe I could have backed up a tad bit on the inline on the there. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I, I like um, – after watching it, um, I, I, I would have liked to have had it over again. I think that the defender was legal. Uh, in watching the play, uh, and I don't like I don't like the, the call judgment on that. Um, you know, um, so again, I go back to maybe the posi- the positioning and that the play just kind of ate me up, and I didn't have enough space to make a a, a great decision on the play.
2: I think you could be a little bit wider. It almost looks like you're a little straight lined, where I think. Um... You're standing here on the E. Maybe you should be a little bit wider on the A over here. Kind of see right in between this, the offense and the defense. Now, would you have
1: gone... Wider as as opposed to deeper. I like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I'm not a big fan of of going too deep. Um, On rebounds and on tip balls, I have to adjust my depth. But I stay pretty close to the end line. But again, it's a matter of preference. It's based on height as well, and um, you know, just finding that comfort level. But I tend to I tend to stay pretty close to the end line, give or take. Now, did you? Would you? Um, you said you don't like the block. Would you have gone no call here, or you, you'd like to charge?
1: I would like charge better. Uh, in, in looking at her feet before the airborne, before the player becomes airborne, uh, two feet on the fort on the court facing the player. She had uh, got, She had obtained legal guarding position before the impact. So uh, she did her job. She did what she needed to do on that play legally. Uh, and the offensive player obviously made no effort to uh, avoid the contact. So uh, I would have gone charge had I had a chance to do it over again. Uh, and just watching the mechanic, I know we've talked about that a little bit already, but um, I can see what you're talking about when you reference starting that block mechanic higher. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have looked so much better there to to maybe start higher and come come at the hips there.
2: Now, I thought you called this a block similar to your first block. Defender legal, but then is moving laterally on airborne shooter. Now, did you have that as lateral movement or was she backtracking?
1: You know, honestly, I, I think by the time I looked down to see her feet outside the arc and looked up, I saw her moving but she was moving back. So therefore uh, she still was legal as a defender. And I think I think it was just a mis misjudgment by me at lead.
2: Tough to tell from, from our angle here to tell which direction the defender was moving. So I'm gonna let you have that one. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, just, just keeping that in mind, if you're a little bit wider there, I think you'll be able to have a little bit better of a look on the defender. Did the fact that you were refereeing her feet at first, because I know it, it, it's tough to pick up the feet, and then once we find the feet, then we have to look up again and actually ref the contact. Did that at all speed you up, do you think? Make you rush the decision at all or no?
1: I believe so. Yeah, I think I, think I, I got feet. <clears throat> feet were good outside the arc, and then there's impact. And I think positioning was not great. So, I think that uh, th- those combinations of those combination things probably led to me uh, rushing that decision making a tad bit as opposed to uh, being a little more patient, uh, mm-hmm. com- coming out with the correct call.
2: You think you could have picked up the secondary defender maybe a second or two earlier, kind of even before she's near that arc to kind of certify she's legal? Maybe a second or two earlier might make you not, you know, rush the, the whistle.
1: I think it would have helped. Um, certainly, it felt it felt like she was still obtaining legal legal guardian position. I mean, right before uh, the uh, shooter takes off from the from the court and becomes airborne, so it felt like felt like that that happened uh, a split second before number two went airborne. Mm-hmm. But yeah, recognizing the defender, uh, I'm zoning in on on that play would have helped. I think uh, a lot more on that on that decision.
2: Like Al Batista um, says, you know, get to the last defender, the defender that can hurt you the most. Yeah. So that's that's been helpful to me, kind of as a trigger as I'm running down the court, maybe parallel to the play. Last defender, last defender. Then your eyes are locking in on them. As you're, you know, you still see the offense, making sure the offense is legal, but really locking in on that secondary defender as soon as possible. Two thirty-four. This seems like a pretty routine um, armbar here.
1: Yeah, I, I've got it down. I, I liked it because uh, the whistle was just a little more patient than the first yeah. first quarter one we didn't like so much. So I was happy that I slowed that down a little bit on the play.
2: Yeah, and if and if we can compare these two arm bars, you know the the first one that we didn't love and this one, it's a little bit different of of a formation. You got the offensive player trying to get around the defender trying to get around the torso, and it looks like she does have her beat, and it looks like the defender, I don't know if it's, a, if it's an arm bar, if it's two hands, but it definitely, the length and the duration of the contact is, is definitely a second or two more. It's more pronounced. You know, in the first place, she's, offensive player doesn't really clear the defender. It's more or less she bumps into her arm bar versus I'm trying to get around you and we have that little hip contact, or I'm nudging you from the side, it just appears a little bit differently. This, this, this jumped off at, of the page as a good get, whereas you know the one before I questioned. So I guess that's um, kind of a guideline or a, or a hack that we can keep in our mind with these plays is let's focus on the duration of that contact. You know, hot stove, it's on and it's off. Now, my arm bar can't push through you. You know, my two hands can't push through you. Normally two hands is automatic, but we can make the case. Let's say if it was similar to that first play where you're driving into my body and I just put two hands up, that's not necessarily foul on me. I'm kind of just backtracking. Right. Right. So just, I think it's just a little tip for these kind of plays. I agree. Now, just as a, as a guideline, remember we just want to follow good guidelines. They kind of give the blueprint on what to do if, if you see it happening in the real game. It does not give you the answer sheet to all, you know, to get every play right. But I notice for, for me, I'm very inaccurate when I blow the whistle in the lead position while I'm still rotating over. My play call percentage is very pedestrian in that because I'm still moving, so my eyes are wobbling. Um, I'm not in the position I'm heading to, so I'm a little bit vulnerable there. Don't have the greatest angle. Um, so those are some of the reasons why I, I have to be a thousand percent on these kind of plays. Now granted, you're going to have times when you're rotating and you're in the middle of your rotation, and a legal contact happens. So you can throw out this con- that you can throw this concept out the window in these kind of plays. But again, it's just something to keep in mind. Did that lack of being in the correct position influence your decision making here?
1: Possibly. I think the problem with the, with the play and the call is that I have the foul. I reported on Maroon, number one, who's on the backside of number two on a play. So I think, honestly, Paul, regardless of wh- where I'm at in that play, I'm going to have a hard time seeing the action on the backside of the play, what, what she's doing illegal. So I think that came, that comes down to maybe trusting C and more on that play to get anything on the backside. Uh, my, my thought process as I'm rotating and you see number two obtain the ball in the post, you know, she's probably going to go up for a shot attempt is maybe as I'm rotating, just maybe post up and stop and and try to get a good angle to referee the play as opposed to keep moving. Cause like you said, our eyes are moving and that, that hurts our accuracy. I think that would have helped me on the play, but um, yeah, once I realized who i had called the foul on, um, which is, um, number one, uh, you know, I'm asking myself, how can I see that? And if I'm my partners out there, I'm asking, the same, how could he see number one on the backside of that? So, um, you know, that's one way to maybe, uh, in a bad way, maybe send out a message to your partners. You don't trust them when you're calling. Uh, not that that was the case in this game, but you don't want to convey that. And by making those type of calls, like I did, you, you, you do send that message to your partners, which you don't want to do. So, uh, Certainly uh, one of those situations in watching it's like don't guess and, and do not referee what you think might have happened.
2: You said it perfectly. Just to, just to simplify it, you know, when we're in the lead position, it's going to be difficult most times to see contact from a, from a secondary defender who's behind the offensive player. Like you said, our trail or our center is going to have the best look on, on that contact when it occurs in the back. Um, had you have been strong side there and a little bit wider, kind of where the E, L, or B is, then you're going to be able to see some kind of that back contact if you're on the strong side. But from the weak side, very difficult. And you weren't really on the weak side. You were kind of right underneath the basket mid-rotation. But, again, you know, what? it's funny. It comes down to – play calling most of the time just comes down to positioning and proper mechanics. When we're in the right spot to make the right call with the right official – we're way more accurate than, than the other way.
1: Good stuff. Absolutely.
2: Great get from the center on the back door play. Once again, you show a very calm, poised demeanor, which makes me think you know what you're doing. <laughs> Threw a little Hope L- so. LOL in there. Got to make it fun, man.
1: You do. Learning, you do a great job of
2: Learning's supposed to be fun. It's the one thing I've, I learned in college. <laughs> Pretty routine stuff here, but again, I just I, I like what I see, man. I like the way your fist looks. I like the way your shoulders are. I like your positioning. Your, your shoulders are open to the play. It looks pretty routine, but again, you look real professional doing it. It's simple. I mean, it's a simple play, but not everybody looks that calm and composed. So I want to give you credit there. That's a great job.
1: Appreciate that. Yeah, the play's on C side of the rim. So uh, I know that I think the contact happens in the paint. But um, again, um, you know, I feel like the lead's wide and, and I have a much better look at the play is why I went with it and didn't maybe wait a second to see if he was going to have a whistle in the play. I felt like, I felt like that, that was in my primary enough to take that.
2: I mean, technically it's the lead's um, secondary defender, but I think you have the best... Um, Look on the point of contact. See the defender comes. Uh, defender comes from right here. So the lead is going to pick up this rotating defender and take her all the way. But as we start to get closer and closer towards the block, that opens up to you. But but right here, like as soon as she throws that lob pass you got to be thinking, all right, which one of these three defenders is going to go play this? And you're not even really looking at the offensive player catch the ball because you know she's going to catch and turn and try to score. So you're just trying to figure out which defender is going to race over there. And as soon as that first defender you see is going to be defending this play, then you're just watching her the whole time instead of just picking her up upon contact and being more reactionary. Right. Yeah. Just just the ability to see the play longer. All right. uh, 921. Uh, Look like there could have been some illegal contact on this play. But I'm I'm happy that you didn't have a whistle because I didn't think you had a open look at it. And I like that you didn't guess. I'm not a fan of guessing.
1: coaches coaches sure aren't we shouldn't be as officials right right yeah on the play I'm looking at number twos back and I have put down here um those are the ones where you feel like okay there's there's contact there something probably happened but um as you you know as your career develops and it takes a little bit of time but you start to feel good when you know you didn't guess on a play like you said um you know um you take it takes work, you know, and just maybe guessing wrong early in your career to, to get out of that habit. But um, you just kind of have to uh, absorb knowing that there could be a player or coach reaction. But, you know, you didn't guess. So you're good with that.
2: Yeah. All right, let's just take a look at this play. Let me know if on film you think it's a foul. But again, it would just be a guess. Okay, up and under, legal, good, offensive rebound, up and under. Tough to tell what actually happened there. I mean, you could tell that the defenders loses their vertical arms, but we can't make anything of the contact. But kind of looked like a foul. You, you'll you have some officials that think it's a foul or may blow the whistle or that play may wake a coach up.
1: Yeah. It looked like her left arm definitely came down as the shot attempt happened. But that's that's from the angle we're looking at. Maybe I didn't um, clearly see that from Lee where I was. So, um, you know, there's not a definitive uh, reason to call a foul on that from where I'm standing.
2: All right, right here, 8.58, you have a low hit. I wrote the film view is a little stacked. It appears the defender's swipe down doesn't have much of an, an effect on the shot. So my question to you, was the contact to the shooting arm or was it the off arm?
1: It took me watching it a couple times to, to be clear. So uh, four, 14's left arm hits the shooter's left arm. Now yeah. it's a right-handed shot attempt. So
2: right here, um, her left arm is extending and she does a little swipe down?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that contact happens on the uh, maroon player's left arm. Um, was it enough to affect the shot attempt? uh that's debatable, I would say, but um i'm at, I honestly I'm happy if I'm going to blow the, the whistle there that it came when it did because if I'd have been another maybe half second later, then it's going to give off the appearance that okay that that whistle came because the shot rolled out, you know, and then your believability takes it takes a hit there with the rest of the game
2: yeah, right, although that is a kind of an unwritten rule for us in order to not call a foul on a cheap end one we don't want to be allowing the shot to go hit the rim and bounce off and then once we realize it's out then have a whistle because you're right that doesn't we look like phonies when we do it so you got to kind of find the balance and and the duration of time to where you're allowed to do it to whereas it crosses the line it's just becomes too late of a whistle. Um, Again, I'm not going to guess. You were right there. You saw it. We're stacked on film. So I just wanted to give you that question and kind of have you reanalyze it in your head.
1: Yeah, you can see, um, obviously, in women's we they encourage us to walk through the players when we're reporting. Uh, just out of curiosity, on the men's side, you guys actually run to the table. Do you go around or through the players on your all side?
2: Um, I generally go around, try to clear the players. I mean, sometimes you can't avoid it and you have to run through players, but I try to find the, the closest route towards the outside where I'm not, you know, getting in between them. Um, but I like walking to the table better. I've always liked that women's mechanic better. <laughs>
1: it's tough when you first get going to slow down, but once you get a cadence and slow down, it, it actually is preferable.
2: Yeah, that looked really strong too your presentation thank you all right eight twenty two aim small miss small. this was a good play here.
1: yeah when you put that in the report, my first thought was uh, the uh, sessions you've had with with al Batista Mark Wonderlook. I know that's something that they've uh, they've really highlighted as far as the uh, jump shooters
2: mm-hmm. and, and here. Just a really good job locking in on that point of contact. You know, like we say, aim small, miss small. Point of contact is, is a small spot right here where her fingers are just tapping. Um, another good rule of thumb on these plays, if she doesn't block the ball, if the defender doesn't touch the ball, then we want to look at the trajectory of the ball. Because if I know she shot an air ball and I'm certain that she didn't, the defender didn't touch the ball, then it's probably got to be illegal contact.
1: Right. I definitely like the second whistle better than the first one because it happened on the opposite side of where I was standing. So on that post play, um, I probably didn't have the best look at that one um, because she's on the high side. trail has got a better look at the illegal contact. There's some jostling going on before the entry pass, but, uh, yeah, probably one that I wasn't crystal clear on when I blew the whistle. This The second whistle, uh, the jump shot in the corner, you know, in, in – um, I had written this down to discuss with you in women's, our lead, that's his primary, that that deep corner. And um, that play opened up to me because the contact occurred on the the, uh, shooter's right arm. Yeah. Uh, So, um, you know, I guess the question would be, was my my whistle whistle patient enough? Uh, Did I wait on lead long enough on that, uh, on the jump shot attempt? Because technically that was his primary.
2: That's a, great, that's a great point. So let's slow this play down and look at it because I think the things you were saying are right. This is, this is your primary arm. Let's, let's break it down. Jump shot here, right side. Trail is going to be able to see this much better. If I'm a lefty okay. and I'm shooting, now the trail is stacked between my off arm and looking around this way, whereas the lead can see right here. So I think in this case where the, where the contact occurred, I mean, listen, do you want to give it a cadence whistle? Maybe give it an extra second to see if the lead has something here. Probably, probably because the lead, these are the only two players the lead has. So moving forward, I would just give it a cadence whistle. Just give the lead a crack at it. And then within 0.5 seconds, if they don't have anything, then you got it. But, again, I mean, double whistles are just a part of the game. We try to reduce them as much as possible. Some people really can't stand double whistles because I know they lead to more issues. I get that. But we can't, we can't beat ourselves up over two, two whistle, over two officials blowing the whistle and having the correct call. Right. Right. I like the open hand hit sometimes on those, on those jump shots where she reaches out. I like to do the, the open hand, even though it's not approved.
1: <laughs> Paul, if we could jump back, uh, I had put down eight fifty eight 58 uh, on the timestamp. Uh, so the reason I put it down is I caught, I caught some feedback from um, the coach for white there, uh, right beside where I'm standing currently on the play um, we had an entry pass, and we had um, two shot attempts where I had um, a contest or a block from the maroon player. Uh, I'm at lead. I felt like I had good looks on both plays, and, and we didn't have a whistle on the play. Just want to get your observation on it um, and um, get your thoughts because uh, we're in transition. She's barking at me. I'm headed down the court to referee, so I don't remember an exchange. Not this play. Uh, at you least said, it,
2: You said 858?
1: Yeah, it's the very next trip down. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. It's after this free throw. We're going to come down and have a – we're going to have a a three-quarter court pass into the post uh, for White. Okay. You know, as I watched it, it was one of those um, pain tolerance plays, Uh, two-shot attempts, good defense. Um, After the second one, you're like, okay – the coach is going to have something to say, but in my opinion, we were right on the play to not have a whistle.
2: It's like a good play on to me. I mean, I couldn't see what happened as the entry pass was going, crossing half court. I couldn't tell if there was any grabbing or holding, but look clean once she got the ball. That was clean. Her shot attempt looked clean. What did the coach say to you? Take me through your conversation.
1: Uh, I think it was essentially you got to call a foul on that play. Um, you know, and uh, I, th- I remember wondering, was it the first or second one that she didn't get fouled on that the coach thought we missed? Because they were very similar shot attempts, uh, whether they're uh, block shots or contests, no illegal contact. So, um, you know, just fourth quarter, game's tight. Maybe, Maybe that prompted the reaction.
2: Did the coach say it to you as you were running by or did you have a chance to respond?
1: Correct. I'm running by. Uh, we're in transition to going, going the other way, so I didn't have a response. And I don't recall if we revisited that uh, on a dead ball. I, I don't recall. I don't think we did.
2: So just if you if you were speaking to that coach and this was like a dead ball or something, they're like, you got to call that foul. What would you say?
1: Coach, what did you see on the play? What What did we miss that was illegal?
2: I like everything you said until you said, what did we miss? Do you think you missed anything? I do not. So like, we want to keep that in our pocket unless we need it. You know, um, in this case, I liked your first line. Coach. I would have said maybe, coach, coach, I didn't have a foul because I didn't see any illegal contact. Tell me what you saw. Talk to me. That's where the empathy part comes in. Coach, talk. You're letting them know why you didn't have one and you're using rule-based explanations. Coach, I didn't have any illegal contact on the play. Maybe you saw something different. Tell me what you saw. Oh, my guy got hit, getting grabbed. Okay, coach, we'll watch for it. We'll watch for it. I'll give it a look. But again, coaches say a lot of things where we don't have time to respond and then it just winds up going into history. So that's why I asked if you actually had time to say anything, just something to keep in mind. Good stuff. Uh, all right, we got two more left here. Uh, great no call, six forty eight. We like great no calls. Oh, you got overtime here. This is yeah. This was a really good game, man.
1: Absolutely, Paul. I have one more play in regulation. If we could look at it,
2: yeah. Um, okay, sure. What do you got?
1: So, one thirty seven on the fourth quarter clock, and. Just more so my positioning.
2: You're you're center here, right?
1: Okay, so yeah, um, that's a situation where um, our lead on the play. I think he, I think he, he paused for a second, and then his better judgment was that the player did not establish legal position in bounds. Yeah. Um, On the tape, this I would say that's debatable. But more so as this discussion's taken place uh, with my trail and lead on the play, uh, I'm basically standing observing players. Uh, and then you can see the, um, the coach from Maroon, she's actually trying to uh, interject herself in the conversation, talk to the players. Is that an opportunity for me to come over, um, join their conversation, to talk with her? What would you have liked to have seen from me on the play uh, as opposed to staying back?
2: That's you center, correct? Correct. I I don't think this play requires you to do much besides watch the 10 players as your partners are getting together. You have no eyes on this play. You can't provide any solidified information, right? Um, So what else could you do here? So you're saying the coach is looking for you to go in?
1: You know, she's still in the confines of her bench. Maybe she's would, a step on the court, but
2: um, do I do anything I would, in that I would situation? go down to the player's end right now because right now you got eight players on this side of the court and there's zero officials. Okay. You know, um, the coach the, – the two other officials are in close proximity to the coach, so if they if she requires their ears, then they're in a good position to be able to do that. That's not, it's got nothing to do with you because what could you give the coach at this point? I mean, your partners are handling it. Your partners are working on it, right? Right. Now, if she's going crazy, so to the point you need to address it, that's a different story. See, right now, if I'm one of your two partners, I'm, and I hear your coach hear the coach, I'm going to turn to the coach, say, coach, I'll be with you in one moment please let me speak to my partner first. I'll be right there. And this is going to kind of back her off and let her, let them know, Hey, Hey coach, we're working on it. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're meeting. We're meeting, but the coach can't, um, she can't come before the game. You know, the coach's explanation doesn't come before our, our call, our admin proper administration of the play. And a lot of times we lose focus of the game when we pay attention to the coach or something or an outside distraction. It allows us to, it distracts us from what happened on the court and then we start forgetting and confusing things. And that just comes down to not running the game the way we are the game right here. The way to run it is to figure out what the correct call is on the court. So we, the game can move forward. That takes precedent over anything else, unless it needs to be addressed, coaches jumping, cursing, then that takes precedence over the call.
1: Great. Right. Good explanation. I like that.
2: Yeah, so and then, uh, would, yeah, just, just put give the ball to your partner and, and run down the court. What else you got?
1: Uh, 18 seconds in regulation. Uh, same end we were just looking at. We've got a shot attempt right in front of lead. Uh, I'm C, I feel like, just on the play – there could have been a hit, but I feel like I'm I'm coming a mile to get that in a very pressure um, mm-hmm. potentially game deciding situation. Yeah. So we don't have a whistle on the play, um, and um, you know in reality uh, probably from C and trail. I'm I'm glad we didn't because I feel like the, the the contact if it did happen was not substantial enough to come that far to get the play. Just want to get your observations on it and um, maybe maybe you are you coming out of your primary to get this get this play
2: not there my friend not from over not from across the court over here okay yeah the lead is it's right in the lead's lap if anything the trail can help out if the contact was behind or up high but the fact that you would come through the paint and And ref the play that hap- the ref the point of contact which occurs out here on the outside that's even harder of a view to to kind of see right to see what happened I so agree absolutely not
1: yeah definitely nothing absolute about that play that was that was the contest that maybe it was maybe it wasn't
2: especially because there's only one defender on that play. It, uh, the lead is refing that primary defender the whole entire way. So, again, any help that would come would be maybe if it's too high for the lead to see or if it occurs behind, uh, contact to the offensive player's back. All right, we have one more play in overtime here. 4 7 positioning play.
1: I put down here, the team in white, they had a four-point lead with 14 seconds left in regulation. They end up losing it overtime. time. I'm not really sure how that happens, but mm-hmm. I guess it does. You Maybe miss a rotation, you're like, well, nobody saw that. Well, that's not the case in film. As referees, we're always going to see that, and a coordinators are going to see it, and it just looks like a lack of focus. Yeah.
2: So that was great going through your timestamps. Uh, is there any, anything else I can help you with? Is there any um, questions you have, or how else can I, can I give you value?
1: Uh, Just maybe uh, if we could talk briefly on um, I put down here to ask you about um, how you maybe took your game to another level with game awareness in terms of clocks and, um, you know, thinking about clocks and always trying to keep them, um, you know, in your high in your awareness, but not thinking too much out there. That's something that um, I feel like I struggled with some this year. Um, aside from maybe flushing away missed calls and, and, and hanging on to those too long, but uh, just maybe some rules or thumbs or w- uh, rules of thumb or way that you really set your game up when it comes to a game awareness and uh, just not overthinking out there.
2: Yeah, I understand how how having the clock awareness can sometimes speed you up. That's a really good point because we're constantly looking up, looking up, right? Don't want to miss it. Um, what what What's worked for me is just constant self-talk. That self-talk is constant reminders telling myself, all right, new possession, look up, inbounds, look up, markers um, on the court. I know Boborowski sp- um, spoke about markers. So every time he's running up the court, there's two or three spots on the court where he automatically checks. That was really helpful for me. And it's, and it's also just a matter of that muscle memory. It's, it's experience and repetition and building that muscle memory to where you're not even thinking about looking at the clock because it's already built into your subconscious. Um, which, which parts are, is, is, I mean, like, which parts are you struggling, struggling with picking up the clock or you just feel like you're out there moving too fast or, or rushing sometimes? What are you feeling?
1: The clocks have gotten easier. Uh, I've been in the women's college game about five years now. So that part has gotten easier. Um, but, um, you know, as you're constantly talking to yourself and reminding yourself, um, sometimes I feel like, um. Maybe I'm thinking too much versus reacting, um, and there's a balance there i mean uh that's that's what separates officials, you know being able to um, react accordingly, but um you know um maybe I feel like sometimes when i don't when I don't blow the whistle on on calls on film that I see that I should have, um I ask myself, you know were you overthinking that play versus reacting to it
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and we always well. You know to further your point we we don't want to we don't want to be reactive too i i i find a fundamental difference between being reactive and being responsive and i know they're just two words and there is a little gray area and you could kind of put them together there they do have similar meanings in some some cases however i do think they have opposite meanings um when it comes to officiating because i used to be very reactionary very quick very jumpy something happens i'm I want to make sure I don't miss anything. Right. So I'm inserting myself sometimes where you don't need, need to, whereas you just let the game come to you and you're just responding to what happens. You're responding to the illegal contact. You're not hunting for it. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, try not to keep that in
1: mind.
2: Yeah. Just try not to be a fisherman out there. Try to just let, just go catch the fish that are in, (laughs) in your general area. That are swimming cool. in your primary waters that's
1: good stuff i like that yeah man i appreciate it so much uh i can remember listening to maybe your first or second ipr thinking man that would be cool to, to really invest in that and be a part of that one day and, and here we are so um i will uh continue to sing uh crown refs praise here in west virginia and the uh, surrounding areas and um just feel blessed to be uh be talking to you right now paul and had a chance to go back and watch some of the old basketball shop episodes on YouTube recently. That jumper looked pretty nice on there. You had a little Kenny Anderson in your game. I was thinking.
2: It's funny. You, th- you say I'm Kenny Anderson. Cause I was using a reverse camera. So it looks like I'm a sweet little lefty, but <laughs> I'm actually a righty. Okay. Okay. You
1: threw me off there.
2: Yeah, man. I-, I used to play a little bit. It's fun. It's fun. Um, being able to get back to the game this way now, you know? Um, but again, it means a lot that you've been so supportive and, um, i'm happy i I put out these game notes and ipr episodes because they're they're in the hopes that somebody like you is going to hear one and then want to do one as well so i'm happy that we were able to kind of make that connection and i'm looking forward to helping you in any way i can feel free to reach out if you have any questions or you want to send me any more plays
1: absolutely the uh, mechanics videos were really helpful i'll work on that and um Um, I'll be in touch on some maybe some ideas as far as the gym goes and nutrition and uh, I'll continue to stay in touch and uh, reach out to you and seek your expertise
2: I'm happy to help you in those areas as well you know I don't claim to be a a fitness or nutrition expert but I do know how to lose weight I gained 100 pounds and I've lost 100 pounds so I've been on both sides of the spectrum so yeah very cool I'm happy to help that way All
1: right, Paul, thank you so much. Best of luck to you and Crown Refs, and um, I'll continue to stay plugged in.
2: Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs podcast. Serve the game.